0: I want to thank Alex and uh, those of you on the south side as well. In fact, we join with you on the south side right now. So good to be with you. Good to be together in this place this morning. Um, again, if you're visiting, my name's Matt. So glad to be with you here. Uh, we've been in a series, uh, and Kathy mentioned it, that we've called Talk About It. And this series has really been all about conversational evangelism. Conversations have the ability to change our lives. Uh, Few things in life like the power of a conversation, um, and much less a conversation that is about Jesus. Uh, That can absolutely turn a person's life upside down. And when we talk about evangelism, Evangelism is really one of those words that needs a little bit of explanation as to what we mean. And in this series, Talk About It, we've been saying that evangelism is simply talking about the gospel when you talk about the life-saving, world-changing message of Jesus, of God's love that is made available through Christ, when you make that a topic of conversation, you're an evangelist. And great evangelists learn to talk about that with confidence. Confidence means to talk about it knowing what you believe. It doesn't mean that you have to say it uh, in some perfect, systematic way. In fact, God can use imperfection to do His perfect work when we talk about the Gospel, simply saying what we believe. And then last week we talked about the fact that great evangelists learn to talk about the Gospel with compassion. And that has to do with seeing people, really seeing them. And seeing their points of need and knowing how to apply the gospel to a person's point of need. Sometimes the most compassionate thing that we can do is simply invite people. Come and be with me. Come and, and, and see what church is all about. Come and hear what Jesus is all about. I want to tell you a couple of ways that I heard just this past week about the power of invitation. Um, last week, our our middle school youth group that we call Six Seven Eight they hosted what they called Invite Night. And they usually have, uh, you know, a regular group of students that come on Saturday night. But in addition to those that normally come, they send out invitations to their friends. In fact, my son had these bright green flyers that he was passing out at school. And to their invite night, the middle school group saw 26 kids come uh, to uh, be in the youth group that night, be with them that night for their invite night. Then later that week on Wednesday, the high school group did the same thing, and they had 28 uh, students that don't usually come, that had never been before, come to their invite night Uh, just because they simply got an invitation to come to church. So I was talking to Tom on the phone. I said, okay, we're doing an invite night at CA. We're going to do an invite weekend where we invite some people. Just ask them, come Come see what church is about. Then I heard also this past week some news about Fellowship of Christian Athletes which is an organization that we uh, support through our kingdom giving that we do together once a month. Um, We support Fellowship of Christian Athletes, particularly through the work of a guy named Josh Broat, who's part of our church and his effort with that organization um, across L.A. And we heard just this past week that on campuses all over the valley, 51 students put their faith in Jesus just this past week. Isn't that amazing? Because they heard someone talk about it. Someone came to campus and talked about Jesus. And there are going to be some students whose lives are never the same again. And so I want to encourage you, I want to uh, ask you to be thinking about this upcoming series that we're doing um, that you heard us announce, Snapshots of Jesus. We're going to walk through John's telling of the gospel. John's story of Jesus coming as the Savior and what he offers to the world. And and here's the invitation. Just come and see a snapshot of what this church is all about. There's somebody in your life who you could invite uh, to come and to hear about Jesus in this series, Snapshots of Jesus. So be thinking about that. Be praying about that. And take a bold step and invite somebody to come to church with you. Well, as I mentioned, we've been in this series called Talk About It, uh, where we are talking about conversational evangelism. And this morning, I want us to look at this concept of competence. We've talked about confidence We've talked about compassion, but I want us to learn how to become competent as we talk about the gospel. In fact, one of the most common roadblocks that I hear from people uh, when they say, well, Matt, there's somebody in my life who I know they need Jesus and I want to talk with them, but I don't even know what to say. I don't even know where to begin talking with them about the gospel. I want to address that roadblock with you today and just simply learn how do we become more competent in talking about the gospel. I recently read an article in the Harvard Review, which just reading an article in the Harvard Review makes you feel a little smarter than you really are. But um, this article that I found had to do with research that was done on competency in the workplace specifically this was the question that they asked in their research when you choose who you want to work with what priority is at the top of the list when you choose who you want to work with what are you looking for what quality are you looking for in those people that you work with and they asked this this follow-up question how high on the list is competency okay So they they began in this research project with managers and human resource directors, and what they found was across the board, the vast majority of them said, competency is at the top of the list. It's the most important quality that we're looking for, because competency translates into greater productivity and success. If someone knows what they're doing and are ready to do it and can do it well, that translates into the greatest success. But the researchers took a step further and they looked into who actually gets hired in these same organizations. And what they found, uh, very interesting, was that who actually got hired you couldn't really say competency was at the top of the list. So the managers and the HR directors are saying, competency's up here. But what they found was more than competency, those who got the job, they, they, were, they were likable more than they were competent. <laughs> what really came down to matter was who I like to work with, who I want to come to work with. That one out over competency. And so they looked at these two qualities, competency and likability, and they were able to identify four categories that all of us more or less fall into at work. And so they said on this scale of competency and likability, they identified some of us as what they called incompetent jerks. You're not very good at what you do, and we don't really like you either. (laughs) And no surprise, but nobody wanted to work with incompetent jerks. The second category they identified is what they called the competent and lovable people. You're good at your job, and we really like working with you. And no surprise, everybody wants to work with those people. The problem is, there's not enough of us (laughs) to fill the workforce. So... The rest of us fall into one of two categories that they identified. The first uh, uh, category of these these two is what they called the competent jerks, which is you're good at what you do, we just wish you weren't here. <clears throat> and then the last category was the lov- what they called the lovable fools, the lovable fools. You're not really good at your job, but we love having you around. (laughs) And that's who they found really got the job most of the time, was the lovable fools. Well, I want to talk to all the lovable fools in the room this morning, and I want to talk to the competent jerks. I want to talk to all four categories, and I want us to learn how we become people who talk about Jesus and this world-changing good news of the gospel with people in a way that is both lovable and competent. That's what I want us to figure out this morning. And so, in fact, if you want to just pause for a minute, and I want you to just have a moment with God where you just acknowledge, Lord, when it comes to talking about you, When it comes to helping those people who you've put in my life know you, where do I fall? And just ask the Lord, would you help me know how to talk about you? God, we want to glorify you. We want to put you on display. We want to shine light on who you are. Father, we want what You've done for us to be a story that is told and known so that others can have the hope that we have found in You. Make us people who know how to talk about You. In Your name, Amen. Well, there's a uh, character in the Bible, a guy named Peter. Peter was a simple fisherman. Most likely, he was uneducated probably illiterate but he was very much a lovable fool he was the life of the party and as often is the case in the bible god is going to make this fool a brilliant man who will lead thousands to understand what god is offering them through jesus Peter's also one of the first people in the Bible who we see witness the far-reaching effects of the Gospel. And he, he realizes this, this Jesus and what God has done through him and offered to the world through him is not just for Jerusalem. It's not just for my Jewish community. This is going to change the whole world. Peter sees this. And he has something to say to us about competency. He's, he writes in a letter to some new believers who have gathered in some new churches in what is today Turkey and that area of the world and he writes a letter to them because he knows that they're responding to Jesus and he knows this thing is sweeping across the Roman Empire, this message, and others need to hear about it. And this is what he writes to them. He says in 1 Peter chapter 3, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. And I love this. But do this in in a gentle and respectful way. And so we're going to learn what this statement from Peter can look like Apply it in our own lives, how it can make of us more lovable and competent people to talk about the life-saving, world-changing message of the gospel. The first thing he says in this statement is, "You must worship Christ as Lord of your life." Peter says, "If you want others to know who Jesus is and you want to know what He offers, you have to be a worshiper. Other translations of this verse say it this way. They, they say you have to set apart Christ as Lord of your life. You've got to set him apart in your life you've got to say here's Jesus and here's everything else here's what Jesus says here's what everybody else says this is what the culture says this is what I hear other people saying here's what I have thought before here's what I've read here's what I've learned and then here's what Jesus says you set him apart and you set apart what he has said to us and what he has offered us You set apart Christ as Lord, and that makes of us a worshiper, someone who is devoted to Him. And in that devotion, the result of devoting Christ, devoting yourself to Christ like that, is you're going to know Him more. You are going to desire to learn more from Jesus when He is set apart in your life when you are a worshiper you want to know him more and you become a learner a student of the Gospel. The more time you spend in a set-apart devotion to Jesus, the better you're going to understand who He is and what He's up to. In fact, Peter writes to uh, those same people again in another letter. And he follows up the first letter with a second one where he says this, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This simple fisherman, this illiterate, uneducated man, knew that there was no greater message than the gospel. And he's saying to people, learn it, know it, know Jesus. How are you doing at growing in your understanding of him? I remember several years ago, uh, one year for my birthday, Lindsay gave me um, a gift. She gave me a set of CDs that taught the French language. You put them in your car, and as you're driving along, it's saying French phrases, and you're repeating. And, and I didn't listen to them that much. But, uh, but one, day, one day, I was going to have lunch with Lindsay on her lunch break, and so I popped in a CD, and I thought I'm going to learn some French phrases before I get there. And so when I showed up for lunch, I could say to her things like, Où est la banque? Which just means, where's the bank? But it sounds really nice. And, but, but here's the thing. I had, I had spent a little bit of time learning that. If we're going to be people who are competent to talk about Jesus, we've got to spend some time learning. We've got to know what the Bible says. When I was in college, um, I learned this lesson in a way that I've never forgotten it before. I, I had grown up in a family of faith. I'd grown up knowing the gospel, even had responded to the gospel with faith when I was in middle school. And, and in high school, I, I had, Jesus was important to me. And, but when I got away to college, I realized that a lot of what was so important about faith had a lot to do with the people I was growing up with and my family and my friends. And when I didn't have that, that kind of network anymore, it was shocking to me how quickly my faith in Jesus faded into the background of my life in college. Got to the point where, uh, really, if you'd known me, you, you wouldn't necessarily be able to point anything out to say, oh, you must, you must follow Jesus. And so that's kind of the way I was living until I got this phone call from a friend of mine who I knew in high school. It was at a different university. And he called me and said, Matt, my life is a wreck. I got kicked out of school. uh, And my parents say I can't come home and live with them until I get my life straight. I don't know where to go. But I I remember you in high school. And I remember that you were a Christian. Can I come live with you? and learn how to get my life back on track. And I was like, oh boy. Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah, come on. And and in that, it, I remember that summer anticipating him moving to Texas to, to move in with me that God kind of got a, got my attention to say, it's time, it's time to start living for me and knowing me. And so it inspired me in a way I'd never been inspired before to know the Bible more, to know Jesus more, to know what is it that He offers in life more. There are people in your life who very well may be watching you, seeing you. They know something about you. They know this much the tip of the iceberg that you're a person who goes to church. You're a person who said something about Jesus one time. You're a person who knows something about faith. And they are looking to somebody like you to help them know God. How well do you know Him? How ready are you to talk about it? You've got to be a learner. Not a scholar. You don't have to be a seminary graduate. But ask yourself, how well do you know the Bible? And are you content with how well you know it? To be more competent at telling others this good news of Jesus and what he's done for us. We've got to be students of the gospel. Imagine if your doctor got through anatomy and physiology and he just stopped. He didn't get to biology or chemistry. That would be no good for us. Imagine if you brought your car to your mechanic and asked him if he can fix your car and he said, you know, I stopped after 1999 learning about technology in a car. That's no good. You've got to keep learning. You've got to keep knowing Jesus. Without growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus, without setting apart time to know Him, without giving Him our undivided attention, we won't be competent to tell others the life-changing news of Jesus. we got to be students of the Gospel. we got to learn how to keep becoming experts at love and experts at forgiveness. we got to be people who steep in God's grace and live in His mercy and discover and search out and try to experience the truth of God's Word. All of that makes us more competent to talk about the life-saving news of Jesus. Now one of the roadblocks that a lot of us face in addition to I don't know what to say is I don't know what to say when someone asks me a question that I don't know the answer to. Anybody ever thought, what if they ask me something? I don't know. But if you are a student of the Gospel, if you're just someone who keeps learning, and there are a lot of things you don't know, and that's okay. Sometimes people will ask me things that my only response at the time is, I have no idea, I have never even thought of that. That's a good question. Why don't we figure that out? Why don't we see what we can find? I'll look into that a little bit, you look into that, and let's become learners of the gospel together when you make a habit of worshiping Christ and growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, you don't have to worry about having the answer or not having the answer. It just becomes another avenue to learn about Jesus. So to become competent, we've got to keep learning the Gospel. The second way we continue to become competent at telling the Gospel is we need to be ready to tell it. We need to know what we're going to say. Remember, Peter says, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Always be ready to explain it. Do you know how to tell it? In the Reach One class that you've heard about in the announcements, heard about it again this morning, One of the things that we're going to do in that Reach One class is talk about several different ways that we can just talk about the Gospel, how we can communicate, here's what the message of Jesus is. Uh, But I want to look at one way with you this morning. And one of the things that you find, if you you will do kind of a study through the New Testament, in fact, I did this a number of years ago, I looked for some place in the New Testament that says, this is the gospel, dash, and then gave a definition. Like, here it is in a nutshell. And and what I found, when you look through the gospel, Jesus, Paul, Peter, all of them, they, they all keep saying it a different way. They never say it the exact same way. Now, the common denominators are there. God's rescuing us through Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who gave us life for us, who rose again that we might have hope of new life. That's in every explanation, but how they talk about it, how they tell it looks different from circumstance to circumstance. So this way that I'm going to talk about today, it's not the only way, it's just a helpful way. It's a way that I've found helpful in my life. It's called the four spiritual laws. It's in your bulletin if you want to look at it there. These four statements that just tell what the gospel is. And one of the things I love about them is how simple they are. Oftentimes when I'm talking to people, I will, I will get to a point in the conversation where we'll talk about, you know, what do, what do they think about God or what do they think about life or whatever the case might be. And I find myself using this phrase a lot. Here's what I believe. Here's what I believe. So we can talk about anything. We can ask, You can ask any question you want to ask. And I can ask questions. We can talk, but at some point, I want to tell you, here's what I believe. And this is a way that I explain it with these four statements. You can also remember them with just four words. God, humanity, Jesus, and response. God, humanity, Jesus, and response. If you just think of those four words and learn how to talk about them, you'll learn to tell the Gospel. So let's look at this. The first thing you want to tell them is you want to tell them about God. And the first spiritual law or statement is God loves you and offers a wonderful plan for your life. God loves you and offers a wonderful plan for your life. A lot of times I'll say it this way. I'll say, here's what I believe. I believe that there is a God. I believe that God is real and alive. And I believe that to be God It means that He is all-powerful. And the capacity of His power is equaled with the capacity of His love for us. And so God, Almighty God, loves us. And He wants us to know Him. So He's revealed Himself to us so that we might know Him and have life with Him, live life with God. Because I believe God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. The second statement talks about us. It's about humanity. And it just says all of us sin, and our sin separates us from God. And so we've, we can talk about God. And sometimes, honestly, the whole conversation can just be about that first one, about who God is. But if you talk about that, then you can move on to who we are. And I say a lot of times, look, we're not like God. In fact, we are a mess waiting to happen in life. There is something in us that we all recognize that at some point we we look ourselves in the mirror and we realize there is something deeply flawed in us. There is something that we are bent in rebellion against what is right and what is good and left on our own. We will wreck our lives. And we have walked away from what we know is right and good and what God has offered us. To us. And, and the truth of that is what the Bible calls sin. And God's opposed to sin. I cannot live a life of sin with this God. And what I realize is I'm a natural born sinner. You're a natural born sinner. But God is inviting us into life with Him. And I can't, I can't bridge that gap on my own. And so this second statement is just simply all of us sin, and our sin separates us from God. But this third statement is so important because it is the hope of Jesus. Jesus Christ is God's only provision for our sin. Through Him we can know and experience God's love and plan for our lives. And this statement I love to talk about this statement. You could have multiple conversations with someone just about what God has done through Jesus Christ. And very often, I'll tell you very often, when I talk with people who are coming to faith, this is the point where we we need to look into the resurrection. We need to look into the cross. And we need to look into all kinds of of aspects of who Jesus is. But what it boils down to is this. I can't make myself right with God. I cannot enter into life with God and just start living my life with God. That's where Jesus comes in. He makes a way for us. Jesus is the Son of God and He experienced the death of a sinner so that sinners like you and I could experience the life of God's Son. And by the power of God, Jesus rose from the dead so that new life with Him is possible. Jesus became our do-over. He is God's only provision for our sin. And through Him, we can know and experience God's love and plan for our lives. You might spend several conversations inviting someone to discover all that is involved in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then this last statement, the fourth one, you want to get to the response. And here it is. We must individually receive Jesus' uh, Jesus. Uh, as our Savior and Lord, then we can know and experience God's love and plan for our lives. And so I'll just say to him, look, God's desire is that we trust Him. God's desire is that we receive all that He has for us. And that doesn't happen when we become a church person. It doesn't happen when we become the person we should have been or ought to be. It, it happens. We, re, we get to receive all that God has for us when we trust Him. When we trust that He's made a way for us through Jesus Christ. We can receive His forgiveness. And we can receive His new life. Four words. God humanity, Jesus, and a response. Learn to talk about those things. The point isn't to get through these four statements like a checklist. It isn't to knock them over the head with it and say, no, 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 no. you're getting me off track. Let me get to number three. It's not about that. It's just about learning to talk about the hope. The hope. The hope that we have. We've got to learn to talk about that because the hope of the Gospel, it keeps changing the world. And the third way to become more competent, first is to learn the Gospel. Second, be ready to tell it. The third, you've got to live it. You've got to live the Gospel. You need to practice what you preach. Competency reaches beyond your words to your actions. A competent jerk can recite the four spiritual laws. And a lovable fool can treat people with compassion. Competency puts the two together. Knowing how to explain the gospel and living like the gospel. Peter says you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, he says always be ready to explain it, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. Talk about it. And talk about it with the same attitude and the same approach that Jesus took. What does this mean? It means that you treat others the way Jesus treated you. It means that everything you learn about God, you put it into practice in your own life. Paul says something about this in his letter to the Ephesians. He says, be imitators of God. How's your God impersonation these days? He says, walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given Himself for us. The, the earliest use, in fact, the earliest use of the word Christian came about when people saw a man or a woman who was a believer in Jesus. And, and they saw that that man or that woman was trying to live like Jesus Christ. And they said, oh, you're one of those people who's trying to live like Jesus Christ. You're one of those Christians. That's what that word originally meant. How competent are you at living a Christian life? How competent are you at imitating Jesus? Does your patience look like His long-suffering? Does your mercy look like God's mercy? Does, your, does your, your strength and maturity of character look like someone who's living a life of repentance, who's willing to say when you got it wrong, but keeps maturing in Christ-likeness? Does your forgiveness look like the kind of forgiveness you're trusting God to give you? Jesus said a fig tree is very competent at producing figs. What kind of fruit is your life competent for producing? Competence goes beyond words. It goes to actions as well. If people's lives are going to change by the power of the Gospel, we need to be people who tell it and people who live it. I'll never forget one time talking to a group of people about evangelism, and someone saying to me, oh, Matt, I can't tell anybody I work with that I'm a Christian. If I do, none of them will want to come to church. I'm a jerk at work. (laughs) Well, that's not okay. (laughs) You've got to learn, especially when it comes to following Jesus, you've got to learn... To talk about it. And you've got to learn to talk about it with the same attitude of Christ. Live a life of the gospel. I love this quote by the author Madeline Langle that says We draw people to Christ not by loudly discrediting what they believe or by telling them how wrong they are and how right we are, but she says, We draw people to Christ by showing them a light that is so lovely that they want with all their hearts to know the source of it. Competent evangelism reaches beyond words, but it also speaks beyond actions. Be ready to do both. Being ready to uh, to do that, being ready to not just tell it, but live it. Being ready to not just live it, but tell it can help someone come to faith. In the Reach One class, one of the things we're going to cover, in fact, is how do you help somebody cross a line of faith? How do you help them when you know you see in them that they are ready to believe, or they're even saying themselves, I'm ready to do this, Matt. And we're going to talk about how to have a DTR with God. How to define the relationship. With him, because it's important that all of us have a moment where we just speak to God and we profess our faith in him and we tell him, God, I need you and I trust you and I believe. When we ask him to forgive us of our sins and to to help us to receive all that he has for us. Paul wrote to the Romans about this. And he said, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you're saved. As the Scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in Him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile, all of us the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There is something so significant about putting your faith into words. And for some of you, that is a step that you need to take, that you are ready to take today. You need to have a DTR, a moment with God where you just tell Him, God, I do believe and I want to receive what You have for me through my faith in Jesus. There's a message of hope that still saves lives and changes the world. The love of God stretched out on a cross. Jesus gave it all and He rose from the dead so that nothing, nothing could keep us from life with Him for all eternity. And there is no greater hope. There is no greater love. There is no greater power. There is no greater news this world has ever received. As long as it has been a topic of conversation, it has been changing people's lives. And Matthew tells us in his Gospel, he, says, he tells us something Jesus said to His disciples. He said, what I tell you now in the darkness, shout a bride when daybreak comes. What I whisper in your ear, shout from the housetops for all to hear. Learn to talk about it. Learn to live it. Learn to see people's lives and know how the gospel could be such life-saving news to them and learn how to tell it. It is the power of God for the salvation of all who believe. Alex and Jacob, join me if you would. One of the things I love about the songs that we sing in this church, in this place together, is how often what we sing shouts what we believe. Our songs are full of our theology. And and that is so important that we sing what we believe because as we do that, as we declare our faith, we are telling one another How how often, how many times have I heard, and probably you've heard these stories too, you might even be one, stories of people who have come in to Christian assembly, whether on that side of the street or on this side of the street, They've come into this place, and maybe they came in skeptical, they came in not believing, they came in with their guard up, and as we began to sing, and as they heard the words of our songs, as they heard our faith declared, that guard began to melt away, and they began to sing And as they began to sing, the words that they were saying became their words, and they realized that what they were saying is what they were meant to say in the deepest part of who they are. The gospel message of our faith is not a man made self help lesson for a better human existence the gospel message of our faith, what we believe and speak and sing about is the central truth of our very existence. What we sing about and what we declare and what we can learn to talk about with others is sight for the spiritually blind and life for the spiritually dead. It is a road home for the lost. It is a compass for the confused and hope for the desperate. It is rest for the weary and freedom for the trapped and the addicted. It is forgiveness. It is a new start. It is the answer for the seeker and restoration for the wounded soul. Our faith in Jesus Christ, spoken, invites us all to receive what God offers through Jesus Christ and what we believe spoken aloud, it awakens in us a necessary response to Jesus. How many of you know you've heard that message and you've responded to it in faith? You know Jesus and what He's done for you, and you've responded to that in faith. On that side of the street, on this side of the street, I want to invite us all to stand up and to respond in song. We're not just going to sing a song to be done and go to lunch. We're going to sing a song that shouts and declares what we believe. And as we do this, if you are in this room or if you are in that room over there, and you need to respond today, and you need to say yes to Jesus, and you need to come to faith, then as we sing... You make that decision right now. In fact, I'm sure on that side of the street there's some room up front near the front row. On this side of the street there's some empty chairs right here. If you want to just come up here as an expression of your faith to say, I'm coming to faith in Jesus. Someone on that side of the street will pray with you. I'll pray with you right here in this room. Don't leave without experiencing the life changing life-saving power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's sing it and let's declare what we believe. (laughs)